Hey you, my entrepreneurial friend. Of 10 years of running my coaching business, I am going to finally teach business. And of course, I'm going to teach business with human design. Because the thing that I've discovered over the last decade is that the way everyone else taught me to run a business didn't freaking work for me. So over this last decade, to create a multiple seven-figure business, I've broken all the rules. I have done everything my way. I have looked experts in the face and downright said no, all to create something I love with greater ease and flow that literally is changing the world. And the best part is it doesn't feel like work at all. It feels like I get to hang out with my best friends and I am having a huge impact on the planet at the same time. So if you own a business that you want to finally maybe start, grow, or even scale, then come and join me on the 9th of May to discover how your human design can create the most beautiful, authentic success for you. For all the details, follow the link in the show notes. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Human Design Podcast with me, your host, Emma Dunwoody. I'm a qualified master coach and human behavior specialist, as well as being a qualified human design coach. And I work with clients every single day to answer the big questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And what is my purpose? I also assist them to transition from the person they think they should be to the person they really are on the inside. I teach people how to actually live their design instead of just knowing it. And if this is something that you want to do too, well, stay tuned or reach out for private coaching or human design unpacks where I show you exactly how to live your design. Hey, hey, and welcome everybody to today's podcast. I've already got the giggles, so it's going to be a good one. I think it's a good indicator that we're going to have fun today. Now, today I have with me someone who we sort of tripped over each other on Instagram. And the moment I saw her Insta feed, I was like, oh my God, I need to know more about this lovely lady. So today I have with me Dr. Brianne Grogan. um, And she's going to, in fact, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, Dr. Bree. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It really means a lot to me. And especially since, yeah, we really did just sort of trip over each other. And I love the work you're doing. Uh, So I am a doctor of physical therapy. So I believe in Australia, you say physio. Yes. A physiotherapist. We do. You're a physio. So I'm a physio. And although I haven't actually practiced clinically for quite a long time because my family and I, I was, you know, heavily involved in my clinical practice, working with women's health and especially focusing on uh, pelvic health. Mm. And we then picked up and moved halfway across the world. And it was a little more challenging for me to work as a physio in the new place that we are living now. And so we've actually been here for almost 10 years (laughs) in this new place. And uh, this entire time, I've really been just focusing on building my online business. And so I'm absolutely passionate about spreading uh, pelvic health awareness 
and women's pelvic health awareness in particular, but men too, actually, uh, to people all over the world, especially people who don't really have access to a physio uh, in their country or in their area. And so I decided to just go for it and create a YouTube channel that's all about pelvic floor-friendly fitness and women's health awareness and pelvic health awareness. So that's really my main my main focus is my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash femfusionfitness. And there's a lot more to it, but that's sort of the starting place. I also have a book and a podcast and all of that. Yeah. Oh my God. And I love it. And you know what is hilarious is I think one of the things that, that instantly drew me to your um, Instagram is that there's where we live in a time now that people are talking about things that were once taboo. And I know that now, like talking about pelvic floor, it's fine. Um, but look, I had my first child and I know we've shared this story. I had my first child 12 years ago. And one of the first things I said after I'd had him was, why did no one tell me this happens? You know, like I remember having this moment, we just brought Cooper home from the hospital and um, he, he had one of those explosive poos in his nappy and it was hilarious. And I've just, absolutely lost it I'm laughing so hard and I've just remember looking up at my husband going oh my god what's what I'm about to pee myself and this real like it it was like really really like all the other things that you put on the list of becoming a new mother like this is happening so I love that you're like yep I'm all out and I'm talking about pelvic pelvic health because it's so important Oh my gosh, yes. And actually, I love talking about all of those taboo things, pelvic health, um, those types of issues you just mentioned, but also constipation, bowel issues, things that just people don't really love talking about. And the funny thing is that I'm actually really, actually quite, yeah, I don't know about shy, but I'm definitely an introvert. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely a homebody. I'm definitely not like the the craziest person at the party, you know, but I, I really something happens when I get on camera and when I realize, I guess, that there is a bigger message and something I really want to share, which is just that you're not gross, Mm. you're not disgusting, and you're not the only one who's dealing with this stuff. Yeah. Uh, So that's really what I I love doing that. Yeah. And you know, it's so, so powerful um, because that was one of the things that I figured out so, so quickly when I first started my coaching practice was that everybody has the same fears. Everybody thinks that they're the only one that's wrong or the only one that suffers from something or thinks something or feels something. And the the reality is we all do, but we just don't have, or we haven't had in the past role models that actually step up and go, right, we're talking about poo and this is why, you know, like, and I think that anyone who's out there doing it and talking about these more, um, taboo areas it's just literally setting people free especially our generation because we are still on the the, the um, edges of oh you don't talk about that that sort of thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I definitely think there's a tipping point going on right now and I think it's really shifting in a positive direction as far as openness but yeah we're still not quite there and the other thing is I mean I'm in the world of women's health I'm in the world of where people do talk about it and sometimes I get very isolated in that little world and then realize oh, there's this entire world of people who have, like, this is completely foreign to them and completely new to them. And they're like, what are you saying? I can't believe that you're saying this stuff. Yeah. And that's it, right? Like it's the, it's the first, the initial, like, oh my God, you can't say that. And then, oh my God, 
just tell me more. Like, you mean I'm normal? Because it always comes back to, you mean I'm normal? This is the same for other people. Um, And so is there something specific that you went through that made this an important subject for you? Yeah, for sure. So I was always interested in women's health, physical therapy, when I went through my uh, graduate program. But I actually decided to go into geriatric physical therapy. So I was working in skilled nursing facilities and with uh, you know older individuals. And I then got pregnant and had my baby. And through that process of pregnancy, I was like, yeah, I definitely want to go into women's health. This is, you know, cause I'm going through it myself. I definitely want to focus on that. But what really, so, so during that time, I kind of started studying and taking the coursework, extra classes needed to really specialize. But then it really sealed the deal when three weeks postpartum, I decided to go for a run, which I completely knew was not appropriate or acceptable. But of course I'm, I am above that. You know, I was like 27 mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was, I was younger and I was still invincible and I was a runner. And at the time I was obsessed with running. Like I was definitely, I've never been a particularly sporty or athletic person, but running for some people can become a bit of an obsession. And it was for me, like I was, I ran through most of my pregnancy and then I was just itching to get back out there because I felt like I was going crazy at home. New mom. Oh, so I went outside, went for a run and boom, I felt like a a drop and almost like an internal pop. It wasn't a pop, but it it was at the same time. It was a feeling, a heaviness. And so I, excuse me, I had developed a very mild pelvic organ prolapse. So it wasn't a lot, but it was there. I could see it. I knew how to diagnose it because I was already going through the coursework and I I knew there was something wrong. And so of course I turned uh, around, went home, diagnosed myself and was like, oh my goodness, you've got to be kidding me. Mm. And so I went to my, my midwife and actually she examined me on my back lying down and said, there's nothing, you, there's nothing to worry about. Don't even fret. Mm. This is nothing. Mm. And I felt a little bit like, wait a minute. But, but there is something like there, there is really something here. And I examine myself standing up, which is how I live my life. And yeah. that's how you're supposed to examine yourself and listen to me, you yeah. know, listen to me. And she was a wonderful midwife, but she wasn't listening to me. And so I really did decide, you know what, there is something wrong. I'm not going to let this get worse. And so I took matters into my own hand and, and I treated myself using what is now um, a lot of the information that's in a pelvic organ support series called Lift that I offer folks yeah. uh, on my website. So it's a program that's wonderful. It's just using basic exercises and body mechanics techniques, things that you do throughout your day, every day that really make a difference in preventing the problem from getting worse. Yeah. And in some cases can actually reverse it and make things completely better. And I was aided by the fact that I was only three weeks postpartum. And so a lot of things do naturally mm. shift and change after you heal, you know, your, your hormones go back to normal. So I had that on my side, but I truly believe that having the exercises and the lifestyle things in place completely, you know, cured it for me. And then I'm fine now. I don't have any issues. Thank goodness. But so that was really my big turning point. And I had no idea that it would evolve into an entire, really an entire career around this. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And look, again, I just think, wow, like the fact that not only, you and look we've had this discussion like I don't believe in coincidence and I love that you are physically studying this at the time it was like you had the support that you needed 
Um, and the thing that I really resonate with, and, and whether it's having babies or, you know, building businesses or whatever you're going through in life, one thing I really re- resonate with that story is, you know, being told um, what to think, what to do, what is true for you and having that feeling inside of going, yeah, like I appreciate, like you say, I appreciate you're good at your job, but I know me. And having the, the courage to go, okay, um, thanks, appreciate it, but I need, to, I need to believe in me and believe what this is, what I'm feeling is truth for me. Yeah. Was that challenging? Was it challenging? I mean, I know that you were already educated. I know that you could self-diagnose, but was there a part of you that was going, you know, is she right? Am I, should I just not worry about it or? Oh yeah, for sure. Because I'm very much, um, I mean, we could probably even bring a little human design into say, this. I, I don't know. share your human design. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not the expert you are, but I have a, all of my lower centers are very filled in. And so I have a lot of, I'm a generator. And so I have a lot of like stick to and I just like make things happen and I just do things. Yeah. I currently pump out content, but at the time I was like, I'm just going to make plan and I'm going to follow it and I'm going to stick to it. I think maybe my will, I don't know. You, you do, you do. So you've got it. You've got all, um, I think you've got all the motors defined, which means you've got- I do. I have all the motors, but all of the upper stuff is actually very open. And so I, I don't know, Emma, you could tell me this, but I think that because I'm very open up here, I'm very susceptible to kind of taking in other people's thoughts. And so there was a lot of doubt, like, well, maybe she's right. And maybe, you know, maybe I I can't do anything or maybe there's nothing wrong and I don't need to worry. But I think that I was able to override that and just say, no, I'm just going to do this. And I, I do think that because I was interested in women's health, Mm -hmm. pelvic health, and that was my career field, I knew I was transitioning there. I kind of thought, Hey, I'll be my own experiment. I've always been up for being my own guinea pig. And I kind of knew that this would, you know, I I had an inkling that this would transition to something important, if not my entire career. Yeah. And it's interesting. You had an inkling in, um, in human design, that would have been your intuition telling you because you have that, that defined spleen. Um, and for those of you listening, um, Dr. Bree is a generator. She is a 6'2", so that's the role model um, hermit. So she's already described herself um, today as a homebody um, and definitely, you know, the role model, and this is very much what you're talking about, the role model, the first sort of third of your life, it's all about experimentation and, and trial and error and just seeing what works and what doesn't work and then you start to curate your wisdom and you're very much in that place now, I would say. Um, but so what is it that, um, Oh, that's what I was going to ask. One of the things I thought was really interesting, um, that you shared at the beginning was men's pelvic health. (laughs) Who knew men needed pelvic health? Please share. (laughs) Yeah, this is actually huge. I, it's really quite funny because my whole online career, this YouTube thing and all that, it really has been a matter of really following the breadcrumbs and kind of, I knew that it was going to be challenging for me to work in a clinic. And to be honest with you, I didn't really want to work in a clinic anyway, after we moved across the world. Uh, I, I wanted to do something a little more creative, but everything that's happened with this YouTube 
thing <laughs> and, and everything I've done since has been a matter of following the breadcrumbs of kind of what is sticking, what's landing for people. Of course, it always has to be within my interest mm. because otherwise I wouldn't have the passion to keep going as an entrepreneur. It's a hard, it's a hard road. Uh, so I definitely have the passion to keep going, but I've, I've also tailored to like, well, what are people responding to? And one of, you know, at first when I started my, my YouTube videos and I was doing my Femme Fusion Fitness classes, it was really just about core, core fitness. And I was subtly sneaking in information about the pelvic floor and pelvic health, but it was totally for women. And it was just about like, get flat abs and a better booty. You know, it was very okay. much that line, yeah, which was fun for me, but it wasn't landing. I was just one person amongst a sea of other people that's doing that. Mm -hmm. And I started, I, I put out a video that was about pelvic floor relaxation, like releasing and relaxing your pelvic floor. Soon after I realized that people were actually responding to this pelvic health stuff, they actually were like, I didn't need to hide it. I didn't need to sneak it in. I could just talk about it openly. People were responding, but I thought it was just women mm -hmm. at that time. But I put out this video about pelvic floor release uh, exercises and stretches. And the majority of people who were commenting and responding to that video were men. And I thought, well, this is weird. And they were men who were completely legitimate in, you yeah. know, they weren't just like creeping. Yeah, it enjoying was enjoying the know, video in the wrong way. Because yeah. <laughs> there's those two. Yeah. But for this particular video and this particular subject, it was men who were needing a lot of help with pelvic pain, with hyperactive pelvic floor muscles, because men absolutely have a pelvic floor too. Their issues tend to be a little different than female issues though. Uh, females, of course, have also have issues with hyperactive, hypertense pelvic floor muscles, but we tend to have more issues with prolapse and incontinence and things like that. Men, just in general, tend to have more issues with hyperactivity, pain, difficulty initiating urination, uh, or, you know, sexual health issues, things like that, mm. that can all be a result of pelvic floor muscular imbalances. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. And it's actually quite, I think it's a very underserved population, whereas women are absolutely underserved in this regard. I think men are very underserved, particularly because a big, you know, kind of a name for the type of physical therapist that I am is a women's health physical therapist, mm. which is unfortunate. Uh, and I'm trying to kind of, ch you know, change that in my own languaging by saying pelvic health physical therapist. And a lot of physios are saying that as well now. But at first, it was just women's health physical therapy and women's health physical therapist. But really, men and women can have these issues. Yeah. So. Wow. I love that. And I actually have surprisingly a surprising number of men who listen to my podcast. Um, you know, the ones that are really transitioning into things like human design that are a little bit more um, out there, which is super cool. So for those men out there who are listening, what specific reasons would they come to you? What would they be experiencing that they, that would tell them that they need to work on their pelvic health? Well, so usually they're coming with pain, just significant amounts of pelvic region yep. pain. It can make it again so that they have a hard time starting the flow of urine. They're having a lot of sexual health issues, yep. erectile dysfunction. They're having issues with uh, pain after sex. Fleeting rectal pain is a really common one where you have just this seizing 
pain that just kind of comes and you don't, there's really no rhyme or reason as to when, then how long it'll last, when it goes away. These are all different, uh, there's different diagnoses, mm, you know, mm. that's uh, cartalgia fugax, there's one called pudendal, pudendal neuralgia, different, different reasons for this, but it all really kind of comes down to one treatment modality among among others, mm. is to relax and release the pelvic floor. And wow. this is, a, yeah, it's just, I mean, really kind of like how we think about many, many issues that are common today. Many health issues can really kind of, the lowest common denominator is working on stress management. Yeah, and I was exactly, Working on letting go. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, pretty much any health issue. Yeah. It's like we can change so much by focusing on, honestly, my whole motto, which is eat clean, move every day, shine brighter, working on eating better, clean, cleaning out the junk, getting your body moving. It doesn't really matter what, just move a little bit and calm down. Yeah. (laughs) A hundred percent. I love that. And you know what? It instantly makes me think, I mean, I don't know um, the culture in, well, you're not in America, but in America or Europe for that matter, as well as I know the culture in Australia. And one of the big things in Australia is men do not talk about these things. They they, especially my generation, like, yes, the younger generations, I mean, my, we've got two boys and they have no problem talking about anything. Um, So I get that it's changing. However, instantly what comes to mind is that I imagine there are so many men out there suffering. I mean, especially if it's like erectile dysfunction, because that's a major issue. And we have this um, growth stage at around 40 something. Okay. And, and this is a time where um, where psychologists have have named it the midlife crisis, and I imagine, and I know, um, I know from experience with people that I work with, that this is also a time that these are the sort of things that men are facing, and they're like, oh my god, I'm broken, or there's something wrong with me, or you know, like just like women, we just have a different list of things. Um, yeah. And I think it's what I love about what you're sharing is again, it's it's normal as in it it has happens to more than two people on the face of the earth and and there is something that is quite simple and you know you're not going to be taken off to hospital to have some awful uh, operation or anything like that there are things that you can do at home to try and heal this is that right Oh my gosh absolutely at home on your own of course it's nice to see a a physio if you can but there's so much you can do at home. And honestly, one thing that came to mind as you were talking now is one thing I think about men is even though I've mainly worked with women in my, in my practice, but I have worked with men one-on-one in clinic when I was working clinically and then over, you know, online interactions as well, several, several men. And one thing I've noticed is that I think women tend to get the message and feel a little bit better about the idea of self-care. Like we know how important it is to take some time for ourselves. We, even if we have a hard time following it, we get the messaging that that is an important thing for our health. I don't know if men get that messaging enough. I don't, I think that men feel like they have to move forward. They have to push through and they do tend to be very focused and driven in, in a way that is um, you know, men just, their brains are wired differently than females anyway. But at the same time, I think that that all that, all that aside, they still sometimes have a hard time, like maybe slowing down, like they need to, and they just want to push through forward and resolve this stinking issue, Mm. you know? 
But slowing down is so important and honestly, self-care is important too. And I, I would like more men to understand that it's okay yeah. to give your time, yourself that time and to give yourself that self-care and to slow down. And that's actually the fastest way to speed up your healing yeah. is to slow down. Yeah. And it's so, what you said is so powerful. Um, what you've identified there is the difference between the masculine and the feminine energy. So the masculine energy is all uh, outcomes focused. It's linear. It's let's get this shit done. How can we get this done? Who do I need to get this done? Let's solve the problem. Um, and most men identify with their leading energy as masculine. And then the feminine, that's more about the journey. It's about collaboration. It's about calming down, nurturing and that sort of thing. Now we all have the masculine and the feminine um, and the majority of women identify with the feminine and the majority of men identify with the masculine. And this is the same for same sex relationships. One will, I, um, someone will identify with the masculine and someone will identify with the feminine more dominantly. But one of the things I'm seeing even in my, um, in my behavioral coach, coaching and working with my leaders is that I'm noticing that I am working on developing the feminine energy in all my leaders, the men and the women. And I think it's a really important point that you touch on is that I do believe the senior leaders that I'm working with understand, like they're actually loving human design and it is definitely a more feminine tool than a lot of the other tools I also use. And I do believe that the men who are leading are really starting to open up to this. But I have, whether it's... Um, group coaching groups or um, uh, mastermind. And I have men literally in these groups going, I could, I don't believe how amazing it is to sit and have these deep conversations with people. Wow. Yes. You know, and yes. I really think that they're, they're ready. They're ready. It's just like, they just need to see more and more people talking about it, men or women to almost give them permission to go, right. I'm in vulnerability. Sign me up, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's been, you know, years and years and years. Uh, I think probably are really our whole sort of human development over the whatever, how many thousands of years we've been developing as humans. I think it's been a very masculine dominated uh, society, at least for the last several hundred years. It's definitely been very masculine dominated. I know that actually goddess worship and sort of there was a powerful feminine influence many, many years ago, yeah. but then it's been very masculine until recently. Now there is that shift. There is that crack happening mm. here too. It's so beautiful to see, but that's very powerful to hear that you're seeing such, such results in your group. Yeah. With your men. Yeah. And you're so right. It really is cracking open. And the thing I often talk about is, you know, I believe in equality and equality means, you know, having the, the, the masculine and the feminine shoulder to shoulder. It's not about one being dominant over the other. I think that's where we've sort of let ourselves down in the past. It's definitely about all of us coming together and evolving those parts of us um, individually so that we can experience it in our external world. Now, there is one other thing I want to touch on, of course, because we've talked about this in the past. And um, for those of my listeners out there, I don't know if you know this. If you follow me on Instagram, you might have seen my post when I posted once, uh, almost like a a uh, dummy spit is what we call it in Australia. Like I was a bit done and over it because um, I actually experienced, as you know, um, Brie, that I experienced early menopause and it was something, it was, I've never had any issue with, with age or aging. I've always been like, eh, I'm all good. You know, age is in your mind, rah, rah, rah. But going through that at an early age in my early forties, 
properly messed with my head. And again, because a lot of the rhetoric around menopause is, oh, that's it, you're old, you're over the hill. So what I would love to hear from you is I know that I um, definitely took it upon myself to not listen to the mainstream um, discussions and to, to sort of find a more empowering way of looking at menopause. And I would love to hear your spin on it. Like what is it that you think menopause is really about? Um, and obviously there's what's going on in the body. But what I mean by that is, you know, is it a time where women should be going, oh, God, you know, my body's going to fall apart, my everything's going to fall apart, I don't know who I am anymore, or should we just be going, like a friend of mine said, awesome, you can just tick the box, children done, move on. Oh, my gosh, this is such a great question, and there's, like, so many things in my brain right now, so we'll see if I can get any of them out. Right. <laughs> Am I? Uh, yeah. Well, the first thing is, in societies where menopause isn't really a big deal, people don't have issues. Women have fewer hot flashes. They have fewer symptoms. They just roll right on through. And those tend to be societies where the, uh, the elders are more revered and where there's roles for the elders. You know, this is, it's, it's not a thing. And people are fine. They're like, what is your, well, actually, they probably aren't even thinking about those of us in the West yeah. who are having these issues. So, I mean, that's the first thing that comes to mind. The second thing that comes to mind is my, my own mother who has been through menopause. And she, uh, you know, she says that, let's see, my mom just turned six. Well, we won't say my mom's age, but she says that things have just gotten better and better and better for her. Mm. She is so happy that she's gone through it. Now, all that being said, I absolutely think this is, I think menopause is something that should be celebrated. There's so much goodness. Uh, Dr. Christiane Northrup, she has amazing books about menopause, yeah. about postmenopause, goddesses never age. I mean, she, she has so much there too. Yeah, that was the book that saved my That's life. It's so good. So good. And so hopeful and so positive. And I mean, I just know in my heart of hearts that it's fine. It's wonderful. In fact, I'm looking forward to it yeah. myself. Now I am almost 40. So I am also going through uh, perimenopause, which is a period of time that can last, you know, 10 years or so. Uh, usually the first hormone that starts declining is progesterone shortly followed by other hormones. And uh, I will say, so I will say that it's challenging. And so I don't want, by everything I just said, I don't want to negate the fact that there is a, there's issues, you know, with the shift, with that time in between before you've completely lost your period, which is the official menopause, which after, after that, hey, it's smooth sailing. It's that tricky perimenopause time that's the worst, you know? And it's hard because it tends to be like, right now my son is 12. So he's right getting to that age where it's a little challenging at home and the hormone shifts it's real the the symptoms and the issues are real and so i think there's this fine balance of honoring that it's a real thing that there may be symptoms you are going to have to deal with and they're not the most comfortable but that it's not a bad thing you know and and and, and just to sort of ride through it because it is a great transition in life. There's so much good on the other side. There are some realities, though, that do need to be dealt with. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like a balance. Yeah, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Like one of the things I think, um, again, uh, I think my childbirth was the same as my menopause. I didn't listen to anyone else and I just turned up every day and or every <laughs> moment and just accepted whatever happened, whatever came next. And I found that in both cases, um, I pretty much got through it pretty unscathed, you know, and it was never as bad as I thought it was. And I think um, you're absolutely right. Like 
the I remember the like wow I've always been a really quite a balanced person emotionally or so I thought but I was not so balanced at all um and I have emotional definition as you do as well which means that I'm always riding the emotional roller coaster um and that roller coaster did get bigger but I think one of the things that's so important in what you said is that and, and this goes back to all the mindset stuff that I work on is that what you focus on is going to grow. So if you focus on it's hard or the, or the emotional shifts or, you know, like me, I gave up trying to fight that. Oh, I don't want it to finish. I don't want it to go. I just stopped fighting it. And the moment I stopped fighting it and just went with it, it was like everything just got easier. So I love what you said. I love that it's only the Western world that anyone really cares about it. And I really, the other thing that I'm so, I think a lot about at the moment, because my mum's now at an age where um, she, and if I said her age, I think she'd disown me. Um, But she's, (laughs) yeah, exactly. She's at an age where I think a lot about how in other societies we really do revere the wisdom of the older women um and she definitely doesn't feel that way she feels like people just think she's a dotty old woman and they don't that's her own self-worth but you know there is a lot to be said may may i add to that because i i will actually say that my mom has also said several times to me not so much about being a dotty old woman but more about being invisible she feels that as she's gotten older although she has positive associations with menopause as far as emotions Mm. being more stable and sort of just being calmer she says she said so many times to me basically that i think she even took it down as early to after 45 or 50 or so nobody noticed her Nobody saw her. She was like invisible to people. And that's so sad. I want to get that out of my own brain because, you know, unfortunately I've taken that in for myself. And, but what, but what a terrible, terrible thing to feel. Yeah. So you either feel when you get older, post-menopause, that you're going to be a dotty old woman or you're completely invisible. Nobody notices you. And that is a Western thing for sure. I I would say I'm not from another culture. I don't know, but from what I've read and what I understand, this seems to be something unique to societies that have a hard time with getting older and that really, really have a hard time with menopause. Yeah. And I think the thing that one of the things that I'm super aware of at the moment, even in, um, so I do the, the, most of my marketing happens on um, LinkedIn. And one of the things I see so much on LinkedIn right now, because of course, marketing 101 is be the expert. And I now see that there is a massive lack of, of depth of knowledge, of experience, because everyone is young and they don't have that same depth. And that's super cool. Like all power to them. Like I'm the first to, you know, I have no problem with the millennials. I think they're changing our world for the better. Like awesome guys. Well done you. The one thing that I am concerned about is that we're not valuing the depth of, of, and wisdom of people who are older. And even myself, like I'm talking about people older than me because it's only now at the ripe old age of 45 that I go, hang on a second. I'm starting to get the hang of this thing called life. Like I'm starting to work oh, stuff out. Yeah. You know, but only just now. I mean, barely. Yeah. Like I said, I'm almost forty, so barely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I do worry that we then don't actually take the time to invest our time in those wiser than us that have been on this planet, especially in this massive time of change. Like 
you think how much we've seen in our 40 something years compared yeah. to what our parents have seen like that's massive you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so anyway yeah. i do think massively that we need to start reinvesting in the depth and wisdom of the older generations as well as we're investing in the younger ones mm-hmm. i agree yeah so on that note i think that um that's been such a great discussion and we've covered a lot. And is there anything else that you would love to add or give to my listeners before we finish up? Oh, well, I feel like I could talk to you all day. I just okay. know that we have to keep the episode to a certain amount of time. Yeah. So it's focus. Hard, Remember, yes. we don't have focus anymore. Focus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I guess what I would leave people with is just to, I think really the last thing you said, you know, what you focus on expands. And so no matter what you're going through, whether you're going through pelvic health issues or menopause or whatever, because we're all going through something Mm. like that, uh, let's just focus on the fact that, hey, okay, this is happening. We don't need to pretend like it's not happening, but we'll get through it. A, we're not alone. B, Mm. (laughs) and we can do about it. There's lots and lots and lots of things we can do about it, whether we're talking about menopause or pelvic health issues. There's just so much that can be done on your own from the comfort of your own home. So yeah. Yeah. So if people want to find out more about, you know, what I offer, it's basically, you know, YouTube, Femfusion Fitness. There's so much there that people can get overwhelmed. There's over 500 videos. Wow. Um, Oh my goodness. You are a content machine. Oh, I am a content machine. Plus, like I said, I do have my podcast and my book. I completely am a content generating machine. Oh my God, so, I love it. I get human design. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we will put all your links in the show notes so that everyone can go and find you on everywhere. Um, and the other thing that I just wanted to share about your design, which I think really resonates over and over again, is that you have the gate 31, which is the, it's one of the leadership gates and it's in your son personality. And everything that you um, talk about, I see that like there's this effortless leadership in you. And even though you might be a little bit of a homebody or a hermit, as the case may be, that role model in you is, is effortlessly just following the breadcrumbs, as you said. And I think one of the things that I love about human design is so often it's about giving you permission to be you, you know, giving you permission to go, you know what, I am just going to stick my head above the crowd a little bit, or I am going to be a little bit different or a little bit left of centre. And in Australia, we have a terrible um, thing where where tall poppy syndrome, where anyone who tries to get their head above the crowd kind of gets shot down. And I love to see that you are really leaning into that leadership in this category and just freaking owning it. And you are a total rock star in my opinion. So thank you so much for joining. (laughs) Thank you. Awesome. What a great way to cap it off. Now I feel great about myself too. Thank you, Emma. Awesome. And then you can go and have a brilliant day off the back of that. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bree. And for all of you out there listening, we'll put everything in the show notes so you can go and check her out. Check out her videos. They're awesome. And her Insta stories, I love. So check it out. All right, everybody. Thanks again, Bree. And um, I will see you all, hear you all on the next podcast. No, you'll hear me. You know what I mean. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks everyone for being here all the way to the end of the podcast. I hope you got lots of value out of it. I certainly had a lot of fun doing it. Could I please ask that you share this podcast with friends if you found it valuable? And also, bonus points, 
Could you leave a review for me as well on Apple? It would be greatly appreciated. If at any point you would like to be on the podcast or you've got questions that you'd like me to discuss on the podcast, by all means, get on my socials and DM me. Everything you need is there in the show notes. Have an awesome day. Bye for now.